gun. You said crossing the streams was bad. Episode 7, Cross the Stream Podcast, Table of Contents, a pretty impactful tragedy to triumph story in our interview segment with former Bearcat Hoop member Brian Newton, uh, co-founder of the MJN Newton Foundation and the MJM Golf Tournament uh, in memory of his late father, Mike Newton. Great story from Brian. Um, Kate and I will do a short reaction on that segment. And then in honor of the 21st anniversary of Tupac Shakur's death, a whole wild card segment dedicated to the GOAT, the greatest of all time, Tupac Shakur. Stay with us, Cross the Streams, Episode 7, coming at you. All right, back with another interview segment here on the Cross the Stream podcast. Kip Ione here, uh, and, and as you guys know, on this listener, sometimes I get to do the interview, sometimes Kane gets to, sometimes it's joint. I think the guests probably prefer when it's the one of the brothers they know. Uh, but if, for tonight, I'm very excited. You know, it's always fun for me to talk to family members, and this is a former teammate of mine. Uh, who I've been lucky enough to, to stay in contact with since we got done pretending to know how to play college basketball. Uh, but I think tonight he's going to be able to bring you um, a story that's, that doesn't necessarily revolve around hoops, doesn't revolve around football. Um, it's, a, it's a very unique uh, tragedy to inspiration type story that, that I'm excited he was willing to share with us here on the Cross the Stream, Cross the Stream podcast. Uh, former teammate of mine, Brian Newton, say hello please, sir. How you doing, Cap? Uh, I'm doing great, Newt. Uh, I'm excited to have you on. Uh, Newt's a man of few words, a lot of laughter, <laughs> few words. So I'm gonna pull out. I'm gonna pull everything out of him today. You know me well. <laughs> you know me well. Uh, so, Newt, you know, for for everybody out there, Brian and I played together uh, three seasons at Willamette University with the men's basketball program. Then I was lucky enough in my first year as a as a sort of GA uh, to be able to see his senior year as a coach on the sidelines. And obviously, we were roommates. Uh, the kids hang out, the wives know each other well, know us well, uh, so it's always fun for yep. me to be able to share these stories uh, from friends of mine, because like we mentioned in the beginning, Kane and I don't want the podcast to be, hey, who's the biggest guest with the most followers we can get? Uh, we want to go get people that have great stories, and whatever you take from Newt's story tonight, I, I think it'll be it'll be worth the listen. Um, a, a constant figure when we were playing together, and even when I was coaching you, your dad, uh, Mike Newton, yep. was at all the games, constantly there, loud with a lot of the other dads, a great traveling support system for us um and i know you and you and your, your, your two brothers and him had a great relationship but kind of talk about uh you know towards the end of his life how that came about and then we can yeah. jump into how you guys kind of spun that into what, what you're doing now yeah well so my family story is um is really interesting because the way i always looked at it uh coming up was um kind of like you look at it, it was like the all-american situation right mm-hmm. you have the mom and dad, they stay together, the brothers, everyone goes to school, everything, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like family vacations, everything was great. Yeah. And then I meet my wife in high school, we dated, her family was the same, everything's mm-hmm. great. And then, and then, uh, it's almost like your family life's been perfect. And then literally in a matter of, of minutes, right, your, your mm-hmm. whole world's turned upside down. And, mm-hmm. and that's kind of the, the way I look at the, the story of my dad. And and my wife's my wife's mom as well. Yes. We, we, as, as a family, we faced faced uh, a few tragedies. Right. That, that um, really took uh, the 2000s by storm for us and and uh, made it uh, I guess I should say a forgettable decade. Yeah. But um, but something that that we battled through. So the the, the start actually is is with my mother-in-law in 2003. Again, gr- you know, this is a year after graduation. Mm-hmm. My wife and I were out at Valentine's Day dinner. We weren't married quite yet. 
Valentine's Day dinner and we come home and get a message. Uh, my wife's mother had uh, ovarian cancer and we got that call with a full of tears from, from her dad. Her dad was an ER doctor at the time and knew mm. the severity of, of that type of cancer and yeah. thought that she might have a couple years at the most, right? Mm. And it was just um, started off, uh, you know, our early relationship. Uh, yeah. It was tough. Right. And, you know, her mom was a great lady and, and all those things. And it just wasn't something we were prepared for. Mm-hmm. We'd been, we'd kind of lived the fairy tale up to that point in our lives. Um, so uh, fast forward to 2007, her mom actually w- was beating the odds. Uh, you know, the life expectancy at the time was a couple years, and here we are four years later. Yeah. She's traveling the world with her with uh, my father-in-law and, uh, you know, going through bouts of chemo, and it wasn't mm-hmm. easy, but, but she, she was able to, to live a really good life there. Yeah. Um, and then... Uh, <laughs> just so happens we were at a rod stewart concert at the rose garden with my father-in-law my mother-in-law and some of those folks Mm -hmm. and i got a call from my mom and she was just at the hospital in in march and said we just found out your dad has cancer i was like okay well you know my experience with cancer i didn't know we didn't know what kind it was okay but the the first reaction is okay well uh we're gonna beat this whatever Mm -hmm. the hell it is we're gonna you know is it prostate is it what i mean whatever we're gonna Put the gloves on and, and go to work. Yeah, yeah. It's like we're gonna put the gloves on. Dad's gonna. We're gonna. We're gonna get going. And uh, you know, and that was my initial probably. Uh, I don't. I want to say like shock reaction. It's just mm-hmm. like go straight defense mode. Yeah. And then attack attack mode. It's like okay, I'm gonna talk to dad tomorrow. We're gonna go. To, we're gonna go talk to the doctors. We're gonna get this thing hammered out. And. So that was probably like March, I don't know, 10th or 12th, mm-hmm. 2007. And then, uh, you know, things didn't really go super well over the next couple of weeks. Um, we didn't learn a lot other than they couldn't really identify the source of the cancer. Then we kind of started to learn that it had spread quite a bit. Um, and Natalie and I went over to my parents' house for my birthday on March 25th. Uh, this is like a day of uh, an infamy yeah. uh, uh, for me. I remember going over there for my birthday, having dinner. And midway through dinner, my dad just started crying. And I was like, what the, you know, yeah. I can count on one hand how many times I've seen that guy cry in my yeah. life, right? Yeah. I was like, he's, and he just looks at us, and he, he wasn't, he didn't look real good. And he's yeah. just like, yeah, you guys need to take me to the hospital. I don't, I don't feel good. Mm. And he go to the hospital. And so we went to the hospital that night on my birthday, checked him in, and literally five days later, he passed away. Mm. It was just, it was yeah. literally... You know, two and a half weeks, three weeks from yeah. when we even found out he had cancer mm-hmm. to when he had passed away. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, Stunning. that's my 20th, the 27th birthday plus five days, right? Mm. It's like, man, yeah. that, 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 was, uh, that was something. Yeah. So, that's, I mean, that's, that's the tragedy, mm-hmm. right? So right. That's the story. Well, thanks, yeah, thanks, Kip, for bringing me on the show, and I get to hey, share uh, <laughs> so many things that, that i'm happy to talk about him yeah so, you know it, you have to you have to talk about the the, the ugly before you mm-hmm. can talk about the positive right right so. so now take us take the audience through so obviously the tragedy the funeral and, and you know the mourning yeah. the grief when did you and your brothers decide you know what there's something we can do with this that, that can do good for other people that might fight find the same situation yeah so it was um uh 
next day or you know it was right away yeah so my my oldest brother patrick patrick and i have been avid golfers we grew up playing golf with my dad um our whole lives and it's just the way that the the you know, us boys, my yeah. dad bonded, right? Mm-hmm. So, especially my oldest brother, Patrick, and I, was, we were into the golf. My other brother, Chris, was really into the fishing. So, mm-hmm. they, they'd, go, they'd go fishing a lot, and then, and then we'd go golfing a lot. And and we had always talked about, even before this happened, right, we'd always talked about, let's just have, excuse me, let's just have a golf tournament just to get a bunch of friends together. Mm-hmm. Like, he had a big group of friends, I had a big group of friends. Yeah. And it just sounded like fun. It's yeah. like, yeah, you can go play golf with four people, or you can go play golf with like fifty people. Right. Like, let's just like let's just yep. have a tournament just cause. Competition, a little alcohol yeah. here and there. Why yeah, not? Yeah. Exactly. Like you know, just 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 to have a good time. And so it was it was right away. I I don't remember how many days after my dad passed or not, but my my oldest brother Patrick and I just had a conversation, and we're like, you know, that golf tournament. Why don't we do it? And and maybe we can raise a few bucks. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe we can. Because we both didn't know where to go, and we were yeah. crushed. I mean, right. uh, my brother Patrick talked to my dad every day on the phone. He was like his crutch for mm-hmm. all life problems. Um, and, and you know, we, we were just kind of in misery. And, and mm-hmm. we were like, well, maybe we could do something positive with this negative energy. Yeah. How can we? And so literally, we, so he, he passed away, um, like, March 30th, 2007. We decided to have a golf tournament right around his birthday that same year. So we're talking, you know, six months later. We ended up uh, putting on a golf tournament, and we put on a silent auction at the golf tournament. Mm-hmm. I think we got 100 and, like, 10 players and uh, a bunch of auction items, and we literally just threw it together, and we raised $30,000. Which is unbelievable. Yeah, it was just, and then we're both looking at each other after that. And we're like, we we thought it was just gonna be like a one time. Uh-huh. Let's do this for one time. Let's do this for pops, right? Yeah. Let's just let's have a more of a celebration. Mm-hmm. And if people want to, you know, open up their wallets a little bit, then we'll find a, a, a an esophageal cancer cause that we can go uh, distribute these funds yeah. to. And as somebody that was there at that first one. It did. Oh, yeah. it, it didn't. It was. It was. You guys did such a good job. It didn't feel like that. It didn't feel like a one-off. It felt like, my God, this is pretty impressive. Especially the number of people, like you mentioned, the combination of yeah. the silent auction, um, the you know, just talking about your dad, obviously that first year, but then talking about yeah. you know the the certain the areas you guys were looking in to give the money to. I know from somebody that yeah. was in the tournament with everybody else, it was great to be able to support you, but it was also very impressive just to see how you guys threw it together in the midst of that tragedy. Like you mentioned, it wasn't like two years yeah. of planning. It, it just happened. Yeah, it just happened. And it was, uh, it honestly happened because of the grief. I mean, mm-hmm. we had two directions to go. And I guess part of it too, at the same time, my job was kind of in, in misery at, the, at that time because our company had just been bought out by another company and things weren't going well. Yeah. And so things were really, I mean... I think I got shingles because I was stressed. I do. Yeah, I remember like, you said you had shingles. Good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Things could things could have gone in a really bad direction, right? Mm-hmm. Things just were not not going well at the time, and so um, somehow, by the grace of God, yeah, we we were able to take all that negative energy, and, and I think it just saved us both. And yeah. I don't know what would have happened if we didn't have this to put our energy into, because mm-hmm. it, it gives you something to focus on. And it and it also gives you a positive way to think about your dad that just passed away. Yeah, right? so to associate. Yep, I got you. So 
you're like, you know, this is hard work. It's, there's a lot going on, but it's like, you know, we're doing this for dad, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, honestly, the way I look at that first tournament, my dad ran that first tournament. I mean, the, the amount of support and the people he knew and mm-hmm. the, the, the type of family that came around us and helped us put this on. Yeah. Like, hey, we got an idea, and everyone was like, I'm in. Like, yeah. Like, everyone. Kip, I'm, it's like, yeah. It was unbelievable. It was, was that was, for you really? Uh, I'm trying to think of the word, but like like you mentioned, it was it was sort of eye opening and, and another way to celebrate. Like, look at my who my dad was. All these people willing totally. to come here yeah. on the drop of a hat. Yeah, I mean, you, you you knew it through the the through the family relationships and the barbecues growing mm-hmm. up and stuff. But then and then you and then you kind of get another glimpse at his funeral. You're like, dude, I don't yeah. know. I don't I don't know. If, you know, seventy percent of the people here. Like, yeah. Wow. Like, that's, yeah. That's insane. And then, and then you throw in a tournament where you're asking people for so much mm-hmm. in terms of help and and to open up their wallets and and let's raise some money and let's see what we can do. Mm-hmm. And literally everyone delivers. Like everyone delivers, and you're like, that's just a testament to him. I mean, yeah. He did. He built those relationships, and and he he left the impression with all those people that that put them in the position to want to help. Uh, uh, tell us, it, right? tell tell everybody where like this is the eleventh year coming up, yes. Yeah. And yeah. Like, where are you guys at in the fundraising? Where have you sent it? Because I mean, I know the story, but I think a lot of people out there have to know this wasn't just like you mentioned. It's a phenomenal way to remember your dad. It's a great time for people you your brothers know to get together and have a good time. But at the same time, you guys always present where this money's going, and you always yeah. show the progress. So give a, give the listeners a little bit of of the results, so to speak, of this great yeah. thing. Yeah, so the first couple years, I don't want to say we made any missteps because the money went to a great cause. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, but the, for the first couple years, we, we found a doctor that we really connected with at OHSU. Mm-hmm. And, and, and actually, I think it was the first year, like right when we finished the tournament, he told us he was leaving OHSU to go to Pittsburgh, University of Pittsburgh. Okay. And so... We followed him with the money. We, yeah. he was a. I mean, he he was a phenomenal doctor, esophageal cancer uh, surgeon, textbook writer, you know, teacher, and, and we really connected with him. And so we followed him to, to University of Pittsburgh for the first couple of years. And so at, at the University of Pittsburgh, we have an endowment. Yeah, basically, in my dad's name. It, it's not huge, but there, but it's there. And, yeah, and it went toward buying some equipment and those types of things. Yeah. Um, and then. It, the, the distance became a problem for my brother and I. Okay. So we decided to, and then I, I should take a step back. All along, one of his partners at OHSU, who stayed at OHSU, uh, Dr. John Hunter, um, he had supported our tournament all along. Even mm-hmm. though the money was going to the University of Pittsburgh, he still showed up every year. Yeah. He called it. I mean, he was he was a, a great support system in giving us information we needed to disseminate to our golfers and to mm-hmm. our community about what's happening in the, the esophageal cancer world. And so we, we approached him, I think it was probably 2010, where we ended up bringing the money back to OHSU. And we partnered with him in a, in a really cool program where we would raise, so every year we've raised between 20,000 and 30,000. Okay. And uh, maybe a little bit more on occasion. Um, so we started a program where uh, we work with him and some other uh, surgeons and doctors at the at the hospital and they have all these junior uh researchers coming in and we basically put up grants like hey we're gonna we're gonna do two ten thousand dollar grants to fund a research project Mm -hmm. and so all these researchers would submit their proposals oh wow and 
we got to participate. You know, we'd sit down at dinner yeah. in November with, uh, you know, my mom, my brother, the doctors, and we'd go out to dinner and we'd yeah. kind of read through the proposals. And as a group, we would decide which ones we wanted to fund. Obviously, we relied heavily on yes. the doctors. Because, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, if, if you leave up research, uh, cancer research to my brother and I, <laughs> it's probably not the best idea. Right. But so still, being like, able to sit down and be in a part of it is amazing. Oh, it's, it's, it was it's so cool. Yeah. And so, so for years, we were just funding research projects. And then just recently, I guess maybe three or four years ago, uh, the doctor came to me and uh, came to us and said, you know, hey, I got a, uh, I want to hire a fellow, a, a research fellow, and we, we have, you know, $50,000, but, you know, we need to pay him seventy if he's going to come. Mm-hmm. And so we're like, okay, well, we'll pick up the other twenty yeah. to get this guy to come in here and do some esophageal cancer research projects. Yeah. And so we've done a combination of, of grants for well, specific research yeah. projects, and then also kind of, they call him, uh, it's really cool that they, they call him the, the, the Michael J. Newton fellow. Oh, really? HSU, where yeah. They, they, kind of, they kind of attach that title to their name and... And and uh, then they show up to our tournament and, and mm-hmm. talk about it and things yes. like that. So it's been it's been a great relationship with OHSU. And and while they're getting obviously tons of money from other sources, mm-hmm. Bill Knight to name one, uh, uh, you know the, the esophageal cancer uh, you know community does, doesn't get a lot of that, right? Yeah. There's a lot of other higher profile. Yeah. Yeah, and so you know we still feel like we're making a, a, a great difference there. And, and we've Absolutely. seen several of these, a couple of these research projects go on to get, and we learned a lot about how the process works. It's, mm-hmm. it's a research project, and if it's successful, then you might get, you know, uh, national grants and those types mm-hmm. of things. So we're, we're doing like the seed money. Like yes, yes. Use, use our funds, and if, if things go well, then you might get a National mm-hmm. Institute of Health grant for for five hundred thousand dollars yeah. or a million dollars to continue your research and um we've had a couple on the brink and we've 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 had several that have made made steps in that direction to where some of these research projects are really uh making a difference so in really overall cool. what's the what's the total raise do you have that off like estimate off the top of your head over the 11 years so, going into this 11th year yeah i don't want to misspeak but i think we're about two hundred eighty thousand dollars. Wow, amazing and so then it's, also it's just over 25 just over 25 to 30 a year yeah also you guys have the silent auction items there's a fashion show doesn't that and your mom do some of the fashion show stuff like in the past so, yeah we're talking past tense now okay so i was gonna get to that okay so uh Family is also really important to my yeah. brother and I, and 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 actually last year was our tenth, and we had a lot of a lot of conversations about it being our last. Mm-hmm. Um, we have this tournament in the middle of summer. Kids are off uh, on summer break. Yeah, there's a lot happening with the families. It was a lot of work to put yeah. this tournament on, and and um, and what we decided last year is rather than not doing it anymore because because we just don't have the, the bandwidth yeah. to, to make it happen at the level we want to. We have fairly high standards yeah. and kind of perfectionist on how mm-hmm. this thing runs. Uh, so what we decided after last year, our 10th year, was to keep going, but we're going to cut off the silent auction. What's interesting about silent auctions, and I haven't reached out to a lot of people. I mm-hmm. probably should have done some research on this. I'm, I'm curious uh, what it looks like, but... You know, the silent auction was ninety percent of our work. Really, and and probably ten percent of our money raised. Oh my goodness, or, that's or, a great or maybe, yeah. Maybe, maybe, 
maybe 15% of our money raised. So really? And there's no, I would have never guessed that, ever. I don't know. And maybe it's because we were doing it wrong. <laughs> you know, I, 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 but we were doing it the only way we knew how, right? Yeah. So we, we didn't do a lot of research on this. We just did it. We just, we just made it happen. And, and, and who knows how we, if, yeah. you know, if we could have done it better. But, you know, we, we're not really good about, um, we didn't. You know, the one thing I wish we would have done a little bit differently is, is kind of reached out a little bit more to, to solicit more help. Mm-hmm. We had a mm-hmm. few a few helpers. Yeah. There, there was just a few of us that did all the work. Yeah. And, and that, that's been the trouble, I think. Right. But, it's, but when it's your tournament, it's hard, yes. to give up, it's hard to give up control. Hey, when you're the head coach of the program, it's hard to trust the assistants. I'm with you. You're speaking right. my language, I mean, even though I got great ones. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just hard. I mean, it's like... You want to put someone else in charge of something, but you're like, it's just easier if I do it myself because I know exactly what I want. I know, yeah. how, I know how I want to do it. Yeah. Um, so it's not the best uh, recipe, though. I mean, I think if I could go back, uh, I'm sure my brother would say the same thing. If we could have figured out at an earlier stage how to uh, build a bigger team, mm-hmm. it would have it helped. Um, but at, at the end of the day, uh, we've still been, in our minds, very successful. Absolutely. And we're going to continue going. So we're what we're doing this year is we're, we're throwing out the silent auction and we're basically getting a couple big ticket raffle items. Gotcha. And, and I, and we're going to see how it goes. Yeah. And, and then compare the number, use that accounting later and compare the numbers. Compare the numbers, <laughs> a little profit and loss statement. Yeah. And, and I think, I think what we'll find out is that, um, given the, the, the quality of summer we've had with our families, mm-hmm. it's going to be, it's going to be just fine. I love it. Hey, talk so, to us. You know, on the name of the, the name of the podcast, cross the stream, and, and obviously you had to cross one. Uh, you and Nat both in, in that in that horrible two thousands, as you mentioned, as far as family tragedy. Yeah. What what was there? A, was there a voice in your head telling you about the tournament? This is too much. This is too soon. Was there a, was there a personal stream you had to cross? Was there uh, from a business side of just the function of the tournament that you and Pat had to decide? Man. A lot of people say this is stupid financially, but we're going to do it anyway. What what was that cross the stream moment for you? Well, the, the the nice thing about the tournament is is it's very low risk, which was nice because you know we're putting out eight hundred bucks to reserve the course or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you know we knew as soon as we started talking about it, we we knew we were going to get enough people to make it worth our while. Yeah. Um, the the crossing the stream was was just trying to. Uh, it's almost going from that tragedy to a positive, mm-hmm. and how do you get how do you get from from the yin to the yang? Yeah, and, yeah. And, and make it and make it um, more of a celebration and a, and a happy. And it was tough. And yeah, I, I, I think that was that was the biggest piece. But I think it was also required, you know, just personally for both of us. Mm-hmm. I think it was just a, a requirement that had to happen. Yeah, um, kind of a catharsis. So it, it was, There's that word I was looking for. Yeah, yeah. It was, but it was just really uncomfortable, and, and you're, you're calling people, and it's super hard, super uncomfortable, super emotional, mm-hmm. and then the, and then you're talking to them, and then you start going down these paths where you're like, this is, you know, this is this is ridiculous that we're trying to do this. Yeah, and then you start getting the feedback, and you're like, holy cow, yeah, this is this is awesome that we're doing this. Yeah, <laughs> you absolutely. Know? And, I, and I think it was definitely some, you know, we had a few consulting talks with some of my dad's close friends and like you know what do you guys think are you guys in on this do you guys want to participate and can we can we do this and mm-hmm. you know we got some some early support up front and, and and that's what really turned the corner for us but it definitely wasn't the obvious choice of things to do yeah uh, but but it was 
I guess for us it was though. You know. Yeah, no, no, that's it, it, what's it, amazing to me. I think, and you know, the only course, yeah. Being your friend and knowing your wife, knowing your brothers and your family. Obviously, we 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 know the quality of people you are, but it would have been absolutely appropriate for anyone to say, you know what, guys, I'm going to go in a hole for about three months. Leave me alone. Let me deal with yeah. this. And and for you guys to turn it around that quick into this big adventure. Um, and the success, like I mentioned, is somebody that, that that's played in it many times, won it a couple times. Hashtag Carmichael. <laughs> a, a, a couple? I think, half, I, I, I think you've won half of them. We don't have our big big stick this year, so I think we're just gonna we're gonna enjoy it and then let somebody else dabble with the trophy for a while. That might be better for that's you good. too. Um, but I think yeah. that's what was so impressive for us is is. Um, seeing you guys be able to pull it off and get that that catharsis for yourself was was really powerful. I think for everybody at the course that day, and always has been. I mean, I think to myself, and I'd love one last question: How'd you guys pick the logo? Because that picture is amazing of your dad waving. That's amazing. Yeah. Like, who? What's the story on that? Because it's on all your shirts, it's on the hats, it's yeah. on the website, and it's just perfect. Like, I can I can think to myself: the last time I saw your dad, he, he was probably saying, "See you, Kip," just like that, and yeah. that it's perfect. Yeah. Well, the, the best part, Kip, is uh, I don't think you never got a chance to play golf with my dad, but he was the he was the character on the course where it literally be just me and him. Yeah. On the course, no one else around. Yeah. And you know he's sitting 120 yards out, hits his you know wedge in, puts it like three feet to the pin, and just to get under my skin, he would like take his hat off and like wave it at the invisible <laughs> crowd, and he he would he would wave his hand right. at the crowd. Yeah, there's no one there. Yeah. <laughs> just, like he was the best showboat. Yeah. Because then I'd be like so irritated because it was always a competition. Oh, like of I course. Yeah. My, my lifelong goal was to beat him in golf. Yeah. And so every time he hit a good shot, it was just in your face. <laughs> the, the crowd wave. And so, but what's funny is I didn't realize he'd been doing that forever because that the, there was a picture my mom gave me that was probably from the late '80s. Okay. And he was down. He was down in like Las Vegas with uh, some friends playing golf, and he had his pole cart and. One of the guys captured him taking his hat off and, you know, doing the, the to the crowd salute, whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I took that picture and I was like, you know, just a phenomenal picture. Yeah. What can I do with this? And not that I want to take all the credit for it, but I am. That I you should. Absolutely. Uh, so I, 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 I was at Tektronix at the time. And one of my, I was just talking with some guys at work, and he's like, oh, my buddy, my brother, was, you know, does digital graphics or whatever. I'm like, yeah. what can he take? can I send him this picture and can we turn it into a silhouette? Like, I just want yes. a silhouette because it's perfect. My brother and I was like, we always had the polo cologne, you know, we're kids <laughs> from the eighties and nineties. Like <laughs> Ralph Lauren and right. polo and everything. So you get that silhouette. Did you have any brute on. back in your day? Newt? Cause I had a, I had a lot of brute Be, Remember the brute aftershave no. in the green no. bottles. It looks like pine salt. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I had, the, I had the green bottle with the gold lid. Yep. Like the original polo cologne. Oh, like, so good. Uh, yeah. So, but I was like, you know, I just, I've always liked that polo logo. Mm -hmm. you know? so I was like, how can we turn this image into a silhouette and create a similar type image? Yeah. And, and so the guy did it for me. He's like, yeah, you can't sell it. You can't sell the logo. I'm like, that's fine. I just want to. Right. You know, it's for the foundation. Man. I'm not mm -hmm. making money on your yeah. logo. So, <laughs> so, so, so he sent me like, like seven different images of silhouettes and different you know, version. Yeah. We've been using the same one ever since. Oh, it's I amazing. Told my brother, I'm like, let's just throw this on a polo. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Well, I and know. I've got a lot of, funny. I've got a, I've got a, 
So I've got towels, I've got shirts, and I've got a visor with Mike on. It's awesome. Yeah, well, you'll get another towel, another shirt, another hat this year. So. There you go. Hey, where? what's the website for everybody? Where can they find out information? Because uh, I know on the site, um, you know, you guys give updates on, on you know, you talk about your dad, uh, a whole section on the foundation itself, aside from just registering for the golf tournament. Yeah, it's, it's com. Back with Kane now after listening to that Brian Newton interview. And, and Kane, you know, usually we save this space uh, for a react segment where we get to talk about a lot of the things um, from somebody's business career and some of the hurdles they've, they've kind of overcome. But I kind of feel like in Newton's, the, he, the story kind of sells itself. You know, this tragedy to triumph from the death of your father turning into a, you know, three quarter, a quarter of a million dollar tournament that you put on. I'm not sure there's a ton we can add that he doesn't already talk about with the great work him and his family have done. No, I agree. I agree. I think the story in itself uh, says all you need to know, but it is still uh, an amazing story nonetheless, and it's inspirational. I love the fact that they were able to make a positive out of the whole situation, and I think that's ultimately what uh, the big lesson to be learned from this story, and, and I think it was it was awesome to hear just how they were able to – deal with the grief and turn the grief into such a positive thing for so many people that are going to benefit from this. Absolutely. And I think there's one thing in there that, that I think Newton did a good job of hitting on was they had to find the path that fit them for their grief. This is, this is by no means us saying, Hey, you know what, if something tragic happens to you, you don't go make a hundred thousand dollars for a positive cause. <laughs> Boy, you're terrible. No, what are right? you doing? Yeah. Like, I mean, they're obviously setting the bar pretty high, but obviously I, th- I think he mentioned in there him and his brother Pat, his mom, and his obviously his wife Natalie, their, you know, their process to getting where they ended up with their grief was obviously going to be different than other people's, uh, but it, w- it was fun for me to hear. Fun's the wrong word. It was, it was very impactful for me to hear, um, you know, how they had to band together, and, and really it was probably at the end of the day a testimony to his dad's life in the fact that they had so many people willing to help that first year of the tournament. I agree. I agree. I think that, again, like you said, this is by no means saying, hey, if you don't turn a negative into the just unbelievable ultimate positive Mm -hmm. as far as raising money and and doing these great things for all these other people, but merely just turning something into positive for yourself, first Mm -hmm. and foremost, I think is is all we're trying to get across is, is, hey, you – you have ways to respond to certain situations, and that's ultimately all you can control when these type of situations come up. Mm-hmm. You can't control the outcome of cancer for mm-hmm. someone else. You really can't. Mm-hmm. You can't control who gets cancer. You can't control who gets any of these terrible things that happen to them. That's completely out of your control, but the thing that one thing that you can control throughout all of this is your own reactions, your own response to it. And I think Newton and his family is a tremendous example of a positive way to react to it or finding a positive way to react to it and shoot i mean even if 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 they had just gone out and just played golf together as a family once or twice a year to to remember their dad that's in itself a good thing or a positive thing Uh, but to go to the extent that they've gone and, and i think it's it's an awesome awesome thing 
And I thought it was interesting on Newton's, you know, we talk about with everybody that listens to the previous episodes, all our interview guests, we've asked them for a cross the stream moment. And I thought it was, I think it was interesting for me putting together, you know, the first year of this tournament, like Newt said in the interview, his dad kind of ran it because of all the people that wanted to come out and support him. But they kind of face that cross the stream moment every year with the responsibility of how large the tournament, how successful they've been at it. But that's like Newton said, they all have families. They all have young children. They all have wives. They all have things they want to do. So I feel like they're kind of crossing the stream every year, say, you know, in September, October, getting ready for a a next year's event. Do we want to do this thing again? There's no question. And then when you have such a great start to it, when you, when your first one goes off so well, and now everyone's expectations are going to be that much higher for the next one, and then the next one. You got to keep trying to over or uh, top yourself every time. Yeah, that's hard, man. That is really hard. Yes. I thought it was interesting, and you mentioned this before we started taping today. The conversation about where and how the money, you know, the, obviously how they raise it is the tournament, but then where it goes, you know, the, the, that that I think is very impactful when you're at the tournament. Um, mm-hmm. And in the early part of the years, obviously, it went to a specific doctor that was working on esophageal cancer, and then later on, for Newt to, to for Newt to talk about how they're now sitting on a committee where they get to determine where the seed money for fellow fellowship research goes. That's kind of being at the making yourself at keeping yourself at the forefront of the fight against this disease that took your dad i thought that was a really cool thing and probably a part of this that nobody pays attention to with fundraisers you know like even jj watt just raised 27 million dollars for the hurricane amazing but now we got to do something with it how does this money yeah. translate into help or translate into work against cancer i thought that part was a fascinating part of the interview i could only imagine sitting on that board, on that committee that they sit on and listen to these pitches or these proposals and then going back and and discussing with doctors. I mean, again, this is a very impactful thing that they have an opportunity to be a part of every year. And I I think it's probably – yeah, probably another way to, uh, like you mentioned, all that every time those that time of year comes around when you have the, the, the terrible memories of the tragedy, being able to go to these types of events where you can sit down and hear about the people fighting to mm-hmm. make sure that doesn't happen to somebody else. I'm sure that's hopefully I don't want to put words in their mouth because, you know, obviously the, their, their grief is theirs, but it would be hopefully an outlet for them to feel like, you know what, we're still swinging against this thing. Uh, you know, in our father's name and our dad's memory, we're still finding ways to send smart people, young, energetic people out there to do the research to, to prevent this further. So if you didn't have a chance, uh, make sure you go back, like Kane and I mentioned, not as long a reaction segment as we usually do, because the story itself from Brian Newton, co-founder of the MJ, uh, MJN Foundation, uh, in the memory of his father, Mike, who passed away from esophageal cancer, and he and his brothers and his mom have put together an amazing golf tournament and foundation uh, to help research and fight the disease uh, is today's uh, interview segment, and it's well worth a listen. We'll be back with a wild card round here in a second on Cross the Streams. All right, back Cross the Streams podcast, wild card round or wild card segment. This week we are, and I can't say celebrating because you don't really right. want to celebrate someone's death as much as you want to just remember someone. And this week, yesterday actually, uh, was the anniversary of, of the passing of, of who – Kip and I both consider the greatest rap artist of all time, Tupac yep. Shakur. Those are, I'm sure some of you listeners will, will argue or have someone else in mind when it comes to greatest of all time on top. But when it's all said and done, no one will ever argue 
that Tupac was one of the most influential and powerful rap artists that have ever come along and continues to have a powerful influence uh, on today's artists, on people in general, his quotes, his songs. Uh, I mean, the guy will, will continue to live on. And so we wanted to just kind of have a throwback slash wild card segment and talk a little bit about Tupac. I'm going to throw it to Kip, who's got some categories yep. or topics that we're going to yeah. kind of touch on. Uh, so, Kip, what do you got for us, man? Yeah, it was. Yeah, I think I loved this when you texted me this idea because yesterday, obviously, if you guys follow social media, was a day with all the the news in the world. You still had a bunch of people in 2017. Mm -hmm. Tupac and memory of Tupac, R.I.P. Pac, was still trending in the top three all day long on the anniversary of his death. Um, and I can remember. I'll just start with this one, Kane. When he did pass away. I can remember mm -hmm. the exact moment, place, and time that I found out. Because you got to remember, this is back in 96 when none of us had the instant news that we have on the exactly. cell phone now, right? Exactly. So you're nope. either watching MTV News every half hour or you're watching K KTVQ and Billings. And Tupac was so important that Gus Koenig on KTVQ 2 News and Billings is talking in about Billings. him when he was – Right in Billings, Montana, where they wouldn't even in sell Billings, his albums, Montana. and that's exactly. leading that Tupac's in the hospital again. Remember that we're sitting at the table, and Tupac's in the hospital again, and we're both like, "Man, he got shot again. How many yeah. times is this going to happen?" But nobody ever considered that he wouldn't walk out of there with a new song. Nobody ever this thought about that. So for me, and I want you to you chime in first. Where mm -hmm. I was, we played Billings Skyview Falcons. We played high school football game in Missoula that Friday um against missoula sentinel we won the game we get back home you know three in the morning from missoula and dad's still up because he wants to hear about the game so cass i own mm -hmm. our father's up on his chair his rocking chair and he's been watching the news or espn all day right <laughs> so we get through the three or four sentences about how the game went good how'd you do good we won blah 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 and then and then i'm about to go to bed because i'm tired and i'm turning to walk up the stairs and dad goes hey by the way your boy died <laughs> what? I was just—I was just with all my boys, and he goes, "Nah, Tupac, you died." And I go, and I almost crumpled. I go there in disbelief, sadness, like all of it. And then I said, "You're what?" And he goes, "What are you gonna do? Go to the funeral?" <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> if I could, I would." And I went upstairs, man. I was crying. I was devastated. Oh, I, I remember that. I, I specifically remember exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Typical dad fashion, just zero sympathy <laughs> when it comes to, to Tupac because they were kind of hot and cold with Tupac. Mom and yeah. dad were hot and cold as far as whether they liked him or didn't like him. So, yeah, it does not surprise me one bit that it was just a simple, yeah, your boy passed. He's gone. <laughs> Get over it, it was unheard of. But I think get that speaks it. to it. Like you mentioned with hot or cold. And I want to get into yeah. the reasons that not only you and I, but a lot of people argue about him being the greatest rap artist of all time. Um, and the fact that there are parts of what he presented that our mom and dad, a Samoan and a cowgirl, absolutely loved. And there are mm -hmm. also parts that they were like, turn him off today. I think it's the diversity and material that you get from Tupac was my number one reason. I don't think it's even close between him and anyone else that's done it or, or is going to do it in my lifetime. Is There is something that Tupac has on record, like you can listen to now if you have his full discography, 
no matter what the mood is or no matter what your station in life is, there's a song where you feel like he is 100% speaking to you in that moment. Whether it's, you know what, right now I feel like being really introspective and in, in thinking about society and justice. Well, then you just turn on Keep Your Head Up or you turn mm -hmm. on Heaven's Got a Ghetto. Or, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Or, changes. you know what, I feel, it changes. Or I feel like right now I'm furious. I want to get hyped for this game, and I'd like to murder West High or <laughs> Linfield College or the Grizz, in your case, at Montana State, or when the Ducks come up to UW in a month. Then you just mm -hmm. turn on Hit them Up. Hit them right? Up. Right? Say, what are you going to go to? Hit them up, hit of course. Up. So I think for me that diversity in material is un – it's not even remotely close. And I'm not, I'm not even getting into lyrics and all that yet. I'm just saying no one else in the game has ever or will be able to speak to anyone who's in any mood. Again, as I mentioned, just introducing this thing, just the longevity that he has had despite yeah. being now 21 years – that's insane. Out of the game. And when yeah. I say out of the game, I mean, he's gone. <laughs> yes. right? And 21 years later, he is still so relevant. We've got yes. players yeah. on our team now. And we call them Tupac Thursdays. And you're playing them. And these guys oh. are, are loving it. And you were talking about kids that weren't even born when the man passed right. away. But you're totally right because the kids now, they might not consider him the greatest, but they are absolutely aware that, boy, coach, I got to ask you, I'm supposed to know about Tupac. To be mm -hmm. a hip-hop fan, I, it's a requirement. And then some of them, when they do listen, are completely converted. And other ones mm -hmm. are like, coach, I still like my guy, but I absolutely see why you keep talking about him. And it's, yeah. You can't say that. Like if I brought up Naughty by Nature – the kid, like, what the hell are you talking about, coach? You know what I mean? Even like an LL Cool J, as great as he was in the begin, you know, in the history of hip hop, Buster Rhymes, it doesn't resonate with my kids. You know, it doesn't resonate with this group. But Tupac, done. Game set match. I know who you're talking about. I gotta listen to it. What's another goat reason on yours? You know what's so funny is is to me, Tupac and Michael Jordan and just the competitiveness that Michael Jordan had. And kind of the mean streak that he had. Yeah. Tupac was very similar in that regard. Yeah, that's a great point. To Tupac had this freaking mean streak that hence songs like Hit Him Up. Mm -hmm. Hence songs like um, Toss It Up. Oh, where he's coming yes. at fucking Dre. Yeah. And uh, the dude had a mean streak in him where if you had wronged him any way, shape, or form – your name was going to come up in a song somehow, some way, whether you knew it or not, and he was going to get back at you. Great comparison with Jordan because you talk about work ethic with Michael Jordan. Like it's legendary work ethic yes. with Michael Jordan, you know, a Kobe Bryant type Michael Jordan yep. work ethic. And then that's why you're totally, that's 100% why Tupac is still relevant because the man pumped out albums in a day. But mm -hmm. it, that's why we still have this long log of material from him because he was relentless when he was in the studio. Anyone that you watch all these interviews with Dre and Snoop and Daz and everyone that recorded with him was like, Tupac wouldn't, didn't want you to go to bed. You couldn't sleep. You had to get through this list of 12 songs his way with, like you mentioned, that intensity and that mean streak. And that's why we have this catalog of stuff that no one else past tense can can claim 
Yep. Because he just kept I, – I, I never thought of the Jordan one in that term, but in that regard, in mm-hmm. that comp- competition, like you mentioned, Jordan's going to punch a teammate in the mouth if he's not getting it done. Well, you look exactly. at Dre, Dre and Tupac make California love, and it's an all-time hit. Mm-hmm. And the second Dre is, in Tupac's mind, disloyal, he's on the next diss album. Like, that, done, <laughs> that, I'm at you, that. right? You death row, <laughs> and just like yep. that, you're on my list of, of hits, essentially. Yep, I'm gonna come right back at you. And I'm- I got, I've got one. The duplicity in who he was, mm-hmm. I think, speaks to a lot of us. No matter who you are, you don't have to be somebody that comes from the exact same background. You could be a farmer in Montana. You know, it doesn't matter. But we all struggle with, I think, who we want to be and who we actually are. And we play those point. roles during the day. You know what I mean? Like there's some days I'm sure Carrie, your fiance, would say, God, Kane was so nice and loving. And then, you know, two hours later, she's like, who the hell are you? What is this? <laughs> and that's, you yeah, know, that's, that's me a, as a that's coach. A lot there. <laughs> yeah. So that's, but that's like the frustration you get with Tupac is somebody that could be so tied in to the plight of the inner city, to the plight of women, to, you know, Brenda's got a baby song. Mm-hmm. to the, But then flip it to um i get around remix or check out time or all these mm-hmm. other songs that are not mm-hmm. at all to do with having an knowledge of femininity to you know his dear mama song that's absolutely like one of the anthems of empowering women and odes to strong women but then you flip that over to another song he did where he, he's talking about tits and ass the entire time so i think <laughs> that that uh fight you could hear him struggle with himself all throughout yeah. his albums and we all yeah. do that ourselves go ahead every album is a little bit different every song is a little bit different and even his characters as far as movies are concerned uh, you could see a little bit of difference and you could see a little bit of piece of him in every one of them speaking of that who do, who do you have memorable i got five top five acting performances memorable tupac roles who do you got first and foremost i gotta go with bishop from uh juice yes yes to me if you if that doesn't scream tupac you weren't a fan of tupac if you if you really if you've never seen Juice and you claim to be a Tupac fan, you're not a Tupac fan, because that Agreed. was one of his finest roles. And to me, that was where it was like, wow, this dude. He's at the funeral and he's talking with the the slain friend's mom. Yeah. And they're hugging and and he's asking her, is there anything? And meanwhile, you're thinking this is the dude that actually killed the guy. Yes. And oh, Raheem's mom. I got him. Yeah. Yes. He's hugging Raheem's mom and telling her, oh, I'm so sorry. We'll find the, the, the bastards that did this and just this sympathetic person. And then the very next scene, he's in, he's right behind the locker, Omar Epps' locker, and he's telling him, I I don't, I flat out don't give a yep. blank about life, yep. about you, about anything. And you're going, wow, that is Tupac. No, that's, I completely agree. And, and if David Gunn's listening, I think you, him, and I watched that show on VHS <laughs> five straight times from a Saturday afternoon through Sunday evening the next night and yep. memorized every line. My next one was Lucky from Poetic Justice. Love it. Because, like you mentioned, this is like the flip. So you got this bishop character that's capable of any destruction. And then you get Lucky, a single dad, post office man, trying to win Janet Jackson's heart. And his cousin, his best friend's murdered. Like, and so then you get the tender, emotional, self-reflective side of Tupac. And you absolutely believe that's him. Who you got next? Got to go birdie above the rim. <laughs> yes! 
you gotta go birdie man that guy is he is such he he plays characters that you love to hate yes birdie's that guy yeah i went with my last one and he's he's been in a, you know and that's another thing that people don't recognize like tupac was a pretty damn good actor it's not like these cameos very good like dmx dmx did a cameo <laughs> in a movie and he had a shotgun and barked that's not that's not really acting <laughs> you know what i mean like an underrated role he did is gridlock and he was spoon and him and tim mm. roth are trying to get yep. in admitted to a, a drug rehabilitation center and they're just dealing mm-hmm. with the struggles of being able to actually do that and he's got he's walking like he does as a penguin the entire movie and it, they're just high comedy and, the, and it works the pairing works obviously tim roth I, the actor that's been doing it a long time but spoon and tim roth you wanted those drug addicts you cheered for him. Okay, give me your. I'm gonna go with what songs do you think the public mo- like? If you just generically said Tupac in a restaurant, what song is gonna come to people's minds? Uh, I think you touched on one already. Dear Mama is one that yep. I think people want to love him for because of what it, what yep. the message was behind him, and literally it was just a thank you letter to his mom. Even though, mm-hmm. again, there's still that piece of Tupac that was still very real when it came to that song. Where yes, it's a thank you, mom. But it's also telling the world that my mom was a crackhead at one point. Yeah, it's telling the world about all these different things that hey, I was on the streets at 17 because my mom was dealing with all these different issues. So as a mom, you're going, hey, thanks, son, for for telling me how much you love me. I wish you hadn't aired all my yeah dirty crap out there. But hey, that's just being real and and genuine. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that's definitely one there. I think uh, the title song of for one of his best albums, "Me Against the World." And that remember that was part of the Bad Boys soundtrack. So the Bad Boys movie, the first one with Martin Lawrence and Will Smith, mm-hmm. blew mm-hmm. up, and that's mm-hmm. one of the lead songs. Is "Me Against mm-hmm. the World." I think that was like you mentioned, that was a huge hit for him in terms of exposure because he was still remember his second album is titled strictly for my N word. Exactly. So and Dan Quayle went after that album. Brenda Tucker went after that album. Bill Clinton yeah. went after that album. So he yeah. wasn't exactly public figure number one in terms of popularity. So I think Me Against the World, while it stayed true to him, I think you're right. Me Against the World, Dear Mama's on that song, that album. Mm-hmm. Temptations is on that album. That, that was it. the that was the album that helped us be able to purchase the other two previous albums. <laughs> yes, we only could buy Me Against the World because Dear Mama was on it. Yes. <laughs> And we were able to get mom and dad to really enjoy Tupac's music from Me Against the World album. And then we were yep. able from that point on to purchase the other two. Even though we had the, the songs recorded from other friends having it, we yep. actually were able to get our own album after that. And, and Tupac became a household name for it. The, the next song, and this one probably is ultimately the one that a lot of people are going to, especially this younger generation, California Love with yep. Dr. Dre. That one's probably played the most, I would think. Um and was his first really number one hit mm-hmm. when it's all said and done. And just the collaboration of him and Dre, that's that's two just – you talk about Mount Rushmore yep. of rap uh, with those two together. And I think that's the one that will be continuously played over and over and over again in the clubs, at parties, yep. uh, football games, locker rooms, you name it. That thing's going to always come. You know what's interesting with that song? Do you think people can name who's actually singing? <laughs> right? Like, poor Roger Roger Troutman. Everybody's like, was that the guy with the tubes coming out of his mouth? <laughs> because how did he – he sang the hook and no one remembered. Yeah. That's Dre and Pac and they auto-tune the rest of it. No, that, that was Roger. 
That was Roger. He, yeah, that's a good point. I bet Roger somewhere just pissed off about that. What are your? Exactly. Give me your favorite song from Tupac because my like for example for me, dear dear mom is number four for me. Not that it wasn't mm. amazing, but mine. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of my favorite Tupac stuff never got released commercially. Man, that's tough. I, I don't know if I can. You know, there, there's a couple that come to just as far as songs that I think people don't remember and don't uh, holler if you hear me. From oh, Strictly yes. for Life is such a yep. great one for if you oh. are angry, pissed off, about to go play a game. That one yeah. is, I think is awesome. Uh, yep. that is Tupac. It just where he, the angriest Tupac. Great, great song as far as. You know as what's great just... about that one? He goes hoarse in like the third mm. verse. For like you said, because mm -hmm. he's so intense, so angry, mm -hmm. and he refused to let them change how it sounded. Because he, mm -hmm. I mean, toward the end of that song, and it's hard to hear because he always dubbed his vocals, but you're, he was, that's exactly, you're totally, uh, literally hollering. Yes. You're out the song. Yes. Uh, I like So Many Tears for Me Against the World. Oh, I think underrated. That's an underrated yep. Tupac song. I think that's extremely underrated. I really love the, just the tone of the song, the, the, it's got a, I want to say a Stevie Wonder somehow is is incorporated in there as far as one of his older songs, and uh, but it, just another good message, uh, mm -hmm. great lyrics, and that song comes on, uh, it's big time. You know how you mentioned the lyrics there, and I think that's where a lot of people, if we've got Biggie fans listening, this is mm -hmm. you know that that's usually the person that comes up as the rival in terms of the greatest of all time, and not that Biggie wasn't phenomenal, but most of the time people's arguments are, well, Biggie was a better lyricist. Eh, I mean, mm -hmm. you can argue that, and I can I could see, okay, maybe here's my point: he wasn't as good a storyteller. Yes. And I think what what that means is I think you can have somebody be so good at lyrics, like take a corrupt who a lot of people took up from the dog pound. Um, a lot of people like Eminem has a song where he lists corrupt in the top three. And if you listen to corrupt, his wordplay is just, I mean, it's unbelievable, but you honestly don't know what the hell he's saying. Cause you're paying attention, <laughs> right? You're paying attention to how crazy good the words matching is. Tupac's mm -hmm. going to put you in the song and like, this is why you should give a damn in my story. Yes. Or this is why you should feel. This is why I feel like you mentioned in in so many tears, shed so many tears. Like that's that's. Cre I mean, it's uh, into that moment rather than boy. I love what Biggie's talking about, but I don't really. I can't. It's not a story. I'm just listening mm -hmm. to you rhyme words. Mm -hmm. So for me, that that's why I think Tupac will always be in front of Biggie, uh, amongst other reasons. Not that Biggie isn't a great candidate for number two. Uh, yeah, but that, that that makes sense to me. I yeah, have. For mine, I one of, and God knows why, because growing up, I was never, you know, being in Montana, we're not, I'm not smoking a lot of weed, right? But <laughs> cr the crazy song with a K, K yeah. cra crazy with a yeah. K from the Machiavelli album yeah. is just yeah. like, it's, uh, it puts you in like this. If you just want to sit back with a beer and just think about your life, put crazy mm -hmm. on and you'll, you'll go mm -hmm. from sad to happy to sad to hopeful to depressed and it'll yep. just play through and there's a guy badass is on there i don't know if badass ever did another song in the world <laughs> <laughs> but, he's, but tupac starts it up uh it says badass in this mfr and then they just yeah. go and that's not boy that song there's times i'll play it 12 times in a day but then i won't for another year yeah well it, that's another great thing about tupac is his catalog is so big that you literally can do that and keep these fr yep. songs so fresh for you. 
that when you do bring them back out, you're like, oh my gosh, I haven't heard this song in two years because I've been listening to all these other different Tupac <laughs> yes. songs. I haven't heard this one. For, yes. I forgot about this song. You literally, if you just sit down and just try and listen to his entire collection, these songs will hit you like that. Like, oh my, yeah, wow, I haven't heard that song forever, but that's an awesome song. Like, for example, yep. Old School from Me Against the World. Oh, that's such a good song. It's it just came on the other day. Him. Yep. Yes, it is such a good song, and you forget how good of a song it is because you haven't heard it for so for forever because there, there's so many different reasons. One, you don't yep. listen to actual albums anymore. We touched upon that on an earlier podcast. Yep. But two, it's just not the most talked about song ever, obviously. Right. No, I, I, that's a great one. What about this one? And this is from an album that isn't listed as a Tupac album, even though he is absolutely in charge. I it's know Thug exactly Life Volume yep. 1. Yep. Yep. Right? Straight Ballin' on Thug Life mm-hmm. Volume 1. The last track on Thug Life mm-hmm. Volume 1. Straight Ballin', mm-hmm. and he goes horse again in this. And once again, I'm not straight ballin' in Mil- Billings, Montana, the way he is. <laughs> but I listen to that. For football, oh, I, I've my junior year, I had to mm-hmm. listen to that song to get ready. And there's a part in there where it goes, how do you survive weighing 165 in a city where blah, 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 die? Well, mm-hmm. I, I was about 165 pounds, and I equated <laughs> it to trying to go block a safety uh, at 165. So that made sense to me. Like It was like, <laughs> I'm going to be in the Bronco. Kip's going to be playing that damn Thug Life song. Mm-hmm. That He doesn't listen to any other songs on the album besides that one. How hey, about album? Go ahead. Yeah. What's your album? I was just going to say, number one, album? number one album for me is probably, that's a tough one, but I that think hard. I think Me Against the World, I really like just that, that one you can play through yep. and nonstop and, and never have to skip a song yep. that you don't like. I just think that one is, that, that was really good all the way around as far as lyrical content, uh, just pure, just listening value. Uh, I really like Me yep. Against the World. I, I couldn't agree more. And there's a and once again, it's different segments of me against the world. Because if I'm mad, I'm gonna listen to the front side. And I keep saying front side because remember we had it as a tape. Yeah, yeah, and we had to flip that damn flip thing it. over. Yeah. So the yep. front side went. If I die tonight, me against the world, shed so many tears, temptations. I mean, that's where I'm gonna listen to. But mm-hmm. then if I'm kind of you know I'm in a good mood and just reminiscing, you're gonna go, dear mama, can you get away? Uh, mm-hmm. It ain't easy being me, old school. Old school, and it's oh, uh, it's uh, yeah. I'd have to go me against the world. Mm-hmm. My number two, and it's hard because I went with all eyes on me because of the sheer impact of it. Yeah, um, I struggled with all eyes on me over strictly, mm-hmm. but I ended up going all eyes on me. It's not a bad call, and and I think I was in the same boat. I went strictly, and then all eyes, um, and you could. It, it's really. Six and six, man. But the thing with all eyes on me, Tupac was a little bit different in the fact that I think he was at that point where he's like, you know what? I'm getting, I've got this death row contract. I want to get these songs out there. I want to get these records out there. I want to get out of here. I also want to make some money. And I think he was at that point where he was like, okay, uh, I've done the, the conscientious, tell everybody about everything that's going on. Now I'm just going to go flat out entertainment value and sell records so hence you get california love you get uh checkout time thug passion you get (laughs) songs that are that are just flat out hey club bangers you know what i mean yep yep uh how do you want it 
is on yes. that. Yep. 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 What about Thug Passion, though? Has there ever been a song that caused more rural kids <laughs> to try to put together this drink? This, this what Thug Passion concoction? And it's not even oh, good. Yeah. It's not even good. That's hilarious. That's a great point. I'm sure if you did some research on that, you would find a lot of upset parents at, yeah. because Tupac decided that um, he was going to come out with this song and, and these kids were going to go try it for sure. That, that's funny. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's unbelievable. Now, this, this, is a, this is a weird way to wrap it up, but is uh, this is because it's hard. Is there a song by Tupac that you absolutely will not listen to? And I only have one in the history of my life that I'm like, no, turn it off. That I don't know what he was drunk. Yep. He just mailed it in on that one. And yep. mine, yep. are you going to yep. say what I, I'm going to tell I you what it is? It's the the same, same it's, one. I guarantee it's the same <laughs> one. It's, it's, what's your phone number at the all end of All me. Eyes yes. on Me? <laughs> that is the only song that I continuously fast forward through it because yep. I didn't want to hear it because it was terrible. And that's why I bumped oh. that one down from the from the second album. That's why I was like, no, yeah. that, that's a song I don't listen to. Every other album, <laughs> I'm going to listen to every song and be happy with it. That song, unfortunately, ruined that album for me. Oh, God, it was such a bad song. It was just – even my roommate in college, Scotty Furukawa, who we got along because I walked into the room and he had the Me Against the World album cover poster up. And I was like, all right, we're going to be fine. We've never met. But that says a lot about him as a person. We're good. But the first thing we said was, man, you don't, you don't listen to that what's-your-phone-number shit, do you? No, I absolutely do not. Good. Um, Last one, then. Yep. Your one song that – this is that's it for you. Not Not – necessarily the but just something that Tupac's on that maybe no one else knows that or not no one else yeah. knows but it's not as widely known that my you block, think freaking, the remix ooh, good one my good block one. the research it first was put out um on the, the show you remember the show soundtrack my block yeah. is on there right remember the yeah, show yeah, yeah. and it had the show. Jack with Warren G on it and it had a bunch yep. of random stuff so the show, but then he re they, somebody remixed it after he died, and it's now it's more it's not as fast paced in my block. Man, it's it's really good. It was good. It, it, was, it, it was makes good. you think about where you grow up. Like it makes you think like those types of you know whimsical. Like God, I had a great mm -hmm. back on my block. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I had a I had two pain. From above the rim. Oh, how did I not? No, that's that. I would even replace my pick because pain is. I'll listen to pain forty-two times in a row. Pain is so underrated, so underappreciated because I think it was because it was a soundtrack song. Those soundtrack yep. songs, people forget those for whatever reason. Yep. And then yep. the last one is "F All Y'all" from the "Are You Still Down" <laughs> album. And I don't know what it is yeah. about that song that I just love that those that song the the, the beat it's just something yep. about that song that I will listen to that over and over again. Do a ninety like I wanna. Yep. Oh, yep. That, those are so good. And here's a whole another podcast we could do is if you just search in like Spotify for featuring Tupac. Oh, oh some of his some of his guest spots on songs are I heard, unbelievable. I heard "Dusted and Disgusted" the other day. Yes, e that's what I was gonna go with. Yes, Dusted yep. and Disgusted, Spice One and Tupac. Yep. Oh, it's so good. She planned it, you effing fool. Oh, so <laughs> good. Oh, that was a great, great topic. We're at Cross the Streams, wild card segment, Kane's idea. 21 years, uh, a day and 21 years from the death of the greatest of all time, Tupac Shakur.
Cross the streams. See you on the other side, Ray.